all the latest updates on your local and regional sports. This is Sports Talk on 92 WICB Ithaca. Welcome back, everybody. This is Sports Talk on the Station for Innovation, 91.7 FM, WICB Ithaca. I'm your host, Jack McShane. Now, we've got lots to cover on tonight's episode with the World Series in full swing, the Jets and Giants struggles, and some great interviews. Now, normally at this time of year, I see fall sports are in full swing. However, due to this pandemic we got going on, all fall sports have been canceled. So now these teams have to kind of figure out ways to stay connected with their teammates as well as the community in general. And for example, you know, the Ithaca football team has been doing virtual film sessions and bonding sessions between teammates and coaches. The IC women's soccer team has been connecting with the community through the Ithaca Youth Bureau, where they've taught younger kids ranging from as young as pre-K through sixth grade how to play soccer. And the Ithaca College field hockey team are one of those teams whose season has unfortunately been canceled. Now, Coach Caitlin Wahila is entering her fourth year as the head coach of the Bombers and has been trying to come up with ways, you know, for the team to stay connected and to try to build off of their 12-7 and record from last year. And this week, she chatted with her own Jack Murray and talked about the creation of virtual game days and why it's been so successful. So thank you for being here today with me, Coach Wahila. I guess my first question would be, how did this get started with the team, with the um, remote game day program? Yeah, so our remote fall season, you know, obviously we got word in August that we were not going to be um, any type of competitive season. And then also, um, you know, then got word that we were going to be remote for the entire semester. So our coaching staff, you know, we were all just trying to put our, put our thoughts and um, minds together and figure out what was going to be the best way to fulfill one of our core values, which is compete. And we wanted to still try to have that element of competition within this remote fall semester. And so we just got to thinking. And one day, I think I was actually driving. And I was like, you know what? What if, what if I contacted, you know, just a handful of other colleagues out there, didn't have to be Liberty League opponents, just, it didn't even have to be Division Three opponents, just anybody, and just said, hey, you know, would you be willing to, um, you know, sign up for a game day against us, doing just a very basic physical challenge, I mean, physical and mental challenge, and the response was immediate, you know, I basically emailed probably 15 colleagues, some some friends, um, some Liberty League opponents, like I said, Division two, three. Um, we also we had a Division one school as well that we competed against, and they signed up on a Google Doc for for a remote challenge day. And we probably had our opponents all good to go within, honestly, probably a couple of hours. So the response was almost immediate. It was super exciting, and from there, you know, things have just progressed. Interesting. So with have just sending out the link, have you like basically what was the response from the team when this was put together? Yeah, so when we when we told our team what our remote fall season game plan was going to be, we, you know, obviously we kind of we kind of put a highlight on that um, game day on that remote game day. Tuesdays are our remote game day. And so Kind of a way for us to make it exciting for our players is we have weekly team meetings on Wednesdays. So on our Wednesday team meeting, we 
tell them who our opponent and, and what the challenge is going to be for that next Tuesday. So they don't have, you know, typically during a regular season, you have your schedule all laid out, you know, who you're playing, you know, you like, you know, where the game is, you know, all those things. So again, in an effort to try to make things exciting during this really different time, we felt like it would be really cool to add that element of, you know, at the end of our team meeting, um, you know, we kind of joke around and I say, all right, here's our opponent for our game day on t- on Tuesday. And everybody kind of gets, you know, excited and we tell them who the opponent is going to be and then what the challenge is. So um, I think initially the team was probably kind of like, oh, okay. I mean, this is different. It's cool. But as soon as it started, you know, our group me team text during the day on Tuesdays is just super you know, people are sending pictures, videos, memes, like it's really um, exciting. Tuesdays are just, you know, it's just a little bit of an extra day for us. And I think that our players needed that this season, um, obviously with the challenge of not being able to compete or train. So I'm really proud of our players and the way that they've rallied around these game days. And also happy to note that we're four and two on those game days. So that's, um, you know, adds just another level of excitement as well. So when I was looking through the field hockey's Instagram page, which is one of the spots where I've been seeing them post their results, I saw that, for instance, when you guys faced off against Roger Williams University, it was most setups in three minutes. So how is that, like basically is there, is it over Zoom or are you guys doing it together or how is that shown? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. So what we do is on Sunday evening, we send out a video to our players and to the opponent's head coach and the opponent's head coach will send out that that video to all of their players. So everybody knows exactly how the challenge should be done. Um, most of the teams that we have been playing are all in person. So our opponents are actually doing the challenge together, you know, during their training time, which we're a little bit jealous of, but that's okay. Um, So what we do, what our players do is we have just accountability teammates and they will FaceTime one another and one person will time and count for that teammate and then they'll just switch. Also, some of our players are living in Ithaca and they live together. So for those student athletes who are living together, they do it with one another, you know, in terms of timing and counting, just just so there's that accountability Um, part to things as well. And then what we do is we have a Google Doc where everybody has to have their scores up by 4 p.m. on that game day. And um, what we do from there is my assistant coach will tally all the scores and she'll receive the information from the opponent and, you know, put the scores together and figure out who, you know, which team came out on top. Interesting. That makes that that makes sense. So it's kind of an honor system, but obviously players are happy to do it that way. Yes. Yep. That makes sense. So I noticed for the upcoming remote game day against Mercyhurst, it's actually another opportunity for the field hockey team to raise awareness for pediatric cancer. So this is a typical promotion that your team would do in a regular season. So how, how beneficial do you think it is to be able to have these promotions through a remote setting? I think it's so, it's so great that we can still find a way to make it happen. You know, I, the, um, actually the, one of the organizers who works for Lace Up for Pediatric Cancer, which is the organization that we're going through, he's actually an Ithaca alum. So when he 
emailed me at the beginning of the year to get the date that we were going to have our game. I said to him, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, we actually don't have a season this year. And then I'm like, you know what? Maybe we can still make this work. So I said, hold, hold off. I will more information to come. So then we have a committee on our team that is um, solely working on this game day that we have and, you know, organizing, raising funds and getting stuff out on social media and all that stuff. So I got with that committee and I said, maybe it would be awesome to pull in another team and still be able to, to make this happen, still be able to raise awareness, goal one, and goal two, be able to raise money. So um, we actually had a, our team meeting on Wednesday night and um, the update for how much we've raised, our team has so far has raised $1,200 through, you know, over the last week and a half just by putting up a bingo board on their social media and, you know, us getting the word out on our, you know, Ithaca Field Hockey social media. So I'm super impressed with our players. Um, you know, they've really, I've kind of stepped back a little bit and want them to really take the lead, um, you know, with this committee specifically. And Mercyhurst has been awesome. They're, they're, they're in it as well. And they um, are looking forward to it. And What's great is we're going to raise double the awareness and, you know, double, double the, the funds as well by having Mercyhurst join with us. Yeah. Interesting. So when looking at it from a coaching perspective, obviously with no season and no in-person practices, it's def it must be difficult to make sure that your players are, I guess, doing the exact exercises or training as hard as they would be in a normal circumstance. How does having this opportunity help that knowledge? Yeah, you know, we, we decided that at the beginning of this remote fall season that this wasn't going to be a time frame for us to become a better skilled field hockey team just because of the circumstances. I can't be in each of their living rooms while they're doing their training. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. So we decided we, you know, our goal was going to be to connect. And if we can't be a better skilled field hockey team during this time, we're going to be a stronger connected team during this time. So um, doing these, having these remote game days is, like I said at the beginning, um, is helping us with one of our core values, which is compete. Um, and then also really more so helping us with one of our other core values, which is bomber family, which has a lot to do with supporting one another, connecting with one another. And these game days give our players, our student athletes, another reason to thrive on that connection and thrive on that support that we can give one another. Um, you know, they're rooting each other on, even, even if it's over FaceTime or over Zoom, like they're still there for one another, just like they would be on a regular game day. It just looks different mm -hmm. and told our players this is different and this is tough, but we can do different and we can do tough. And so I'm just really proud of our players for rallying and um, really making these game days something special. Yeah, makes sense. And I guess I just have one final question and it kind of has to do with the fact that the only intercollegiate Ithaca College team that's participating right now is the field hockey team in these remote game days. So what do you think that does to the mentality of the Ithaca College athletic program to know that even when no one's competing officially, there is still the bomber name being represented every week. Yeah, I think that's so meaningful for our players to know. And, um, you know, even even if it's for three minutes, which most of the challenges have been for three minutes, they're they're working for themselves. They're working for their team, but they're also working for that 
just like you said, that bomber name and what does it mean to be a bomber? And at the end of every game day, my assistant coach will post in our group me and she writes, and the results are in dot, dot, dot. And you know, everybody's just on the edge of their seat, like, oh my gosh, Juan, what happened? And it's so exciting, no matter, no matter which way, if we win or if we lose, because if we win, it's elation and we're excited and we did it together as a team. And if we lose, it's, it's grateful that we, you know, I, I tell our players, I'm grateful that we have this opportunity today to compete A and then B to lose, to know what it feels like to fail because we haven't had that opportunity. The, you know, we typically, typically like most teams right now at Ithaca aren't having that opportunity to fail. So the fact that we can fail and be okay with it and learn the next day, how, how we can continue to still bond as a team and still support one another is what's most important. But I was chatting with one of the coaches on our staff the other day about this. And, and he said, we're stealing your idea. And I was like, Great. I love that steal it. <laughs> and he, he was just like, I read about it, you know, on the um, athletics website. And some of our players have been talking about it because, you know, they've chatted with our players and he was just like, we're stealing it. We're going to do it this weekend. And thank you. I was like, great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today, Coach Wahila. You're welcome. Thanks and for having me. Of course. And for WICB Sports, this is Jack Murray. That is Coach Caitlin Wahila of the IC field hockey team. It's always great to hear from her. and We appreciate her joining, joining us on this week's episode of Sports Talk. And as you see, these coaches, not just her, but other coaches, have kind of been trying to find ways to adapt to what is a, a really difficult time. And you see how these virtual game days are able to bring together the Liberty League as a whole and to also build up you know, the chemistry between the players on IC. Now, moving on, over the years, a lot of great students have come and gone through Ithaca College, and that's paved the way for some amazing alumni. And some of those include former Disney CEO Bob Iger, ABC Nightly News host David Muir, and play-by-play -play guys Brendan Burke, who does the play-by-play -play voice, who was the play-by-play -play -play voice of the New York Islanders, and Ed Cohen, who's the radio voice of the New York Knicks. And this week, Mike Memis had the chance to talk to Ithaca alum Matt McCarthy. Now Matt graduated in the class of 2013, and now hosts a radio show in Massachusetts on WBZ. FM 98.5 the sports hub and they started off their conversation talking about some of Matt's favorite moments while he was at IC. Hello everyone I'm Michael Memis along joined by Matt McCarthy he's an Ithaca College alum of 2013 he's also host of 98.5 the sports hub hardcore baseball. Matt how are you doing today? Michael, I'm doing awesome. Uh, it's great to be back on, you know, with with Ithaca folks. It's like, you know, one of the coolest parts of my life was was being at Ithaca College, uh, working on ICB. So I'm doing great. It's uh, it's good to hear from you. Yeah, it's great to hear from you too. So I guess you said talk about all your experience at Ithaca College. What would be your one favorite thing if you could you could pin it down to one or maybe one or two? All right. Uh, <sighs> God, I, I don't know if I can pin it down to one or two, but you know what I what I miss the most is just like those late nights in the park building, you know, like in, you know, working on projects with my friends or, you know, doing shows with my friends, calling football games with my friends. Like that's that's kind of what it all comes back to is that, 
it was probably the most formative, you know, moment of my, of my life and my career. It's, you know, the reason, basically the sole reason I'm doing what I'm doing. And, you know, the reason I'm in this field is because of my time and my experience at Ithaca, at ICB, at the park school. So like, that's what I miss the most is, is just, you know, hanging out with, with all my friends, just learning about the business and learning about radio and learning about broadcasting. Like, I don't know if I can pick one specific moment that sticks out. Like, I mean, calling the Cortica drug game was great. Like all of those things, there are just so many memories that kind of, that kind of come back to me, but it's honestly like the stupid little things that I miss, you know, it's like just, you know, oh, that time where we had, you know, a project that was due late and we stayed in park till like four in the morning. Like, yeah, you didn't like it then, but like that's, those are the types of things that you look back on and reflect, you know, and and you say like, that was just so cool. Like it was just one of the, the coolest experiences of my life. So um, it was just like, it couldn't have been a better place for me. It was, it was perfect. I made, you know, the friends of my life at Ithaca and it's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing now. Now, have you visited Ithaca since you graduated or you have not? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, no, I have. I have been back. Uh, it was kind of a running joke. So I I graduated early. I graduated. I was a December graduate and I actually transferred in as a sophomore. So I was friends with a lot of people in the class of 2014. Like my all my best friends were essentially class of 2014. So uh, yeah, I came back a lot after I graduated. I came back basically way too much, probably. It was a running <laughs> joke between me and all of my friends. And about the first year out of, out of college, I was there like basically any weekend I could do. Like, it was just crazy. I'd, I'd like call up my friends on a Thursday. I'm like, guys, like I'm not working this weekend. I'm coming up. So yeah, no, I've been back quite a bit, you know, as, as you know, we've kind of moved away from that. And like, I don't, you know, all my friends have since graduated, you know, like I haven't been back as much, but I've been back for a few alumni weekends and uh, we were supposed to come out. Uh, one of my good friends was supposed to get married uh, and he did get married last year, but we were going to do the bachelor party in Ithaca because that's where we all went to school. So I, I try and get out as much as I can. It's probably been a year and a half or two years since I've been back out there, but like, it's, I can't wait to get back. It's just, it's a great town. It's, it's, it's home. It's home in, in some senses. You know, I think when you have kind of formative experiences and you have, you know, some of the coolest years and the most important years of your life in one place, that place becomes, you know, one of your forever homes. And, and that's how Ithaca is for me. Yeah, we hope you were able to come back soon, obviously. Circumstances are difficult for anyone to come back on campus, but <laughs> hopefully eventually you'll get cleared up. Now you mentioned how Ithaca feels like home, but you're also a host or you're, you're working at a radio station in Boston. So are there really any similarities between Boston and Ithaca? Um, not really, which is one of the reasons I, I loved Ithaca so much. I mean, listen, you know, like, I mean, Ithaca is just a, you know, it's a great college town in the Northeast. So you get a lot of that and you get people from Boston, you get people from New York and you get people from Philadelphia and, you know, all of those cities, you know, I think all those Northeastern cities have so much in common. Um, you know, so, you know, it was like, but it was such a great melting pot with all of those people. And, you know, one of my best friends is from California who went to Ithaca, but like you get that whole experience. So, you know, I mean, the city in and of itself, like Ithaca is just so different, you know, from Boston, which is one of the things I loved about it. But I don't know, you know, like Amherst, Massachusetts, like it's, it's kind of similar. It's a college town, Burlington, Vermont, you know, New England towns, like there are some similarities, but you know, still it's not, 
Ithaca is not, you know, one of the top 10 largest cities in the country, which is why I, one of the reasons I, I chose to, to go to Ithaca, because I didn't want to be in a city uh, at that time. I just, I wanted to be, you know, a little away from home, but still being a, you know, a drive away from home. Uh, and it was just, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect for me. But I mean, it's still like, I'm sorry, I'll put Ithaca up there with any of the great college towns, you know, in the, in the country, you know, whether it's Burlington, Vermont, which is a great college town or like anything, like, I mean, really, I'll put Ithaca right up there with any college town. It's, it's top notch. It's the best. It's a great, it's a great place. <laughs> now I saw on Twitter, you have a nickname of McTakey. Is that something you developed at <laughs> Ithaca? Is that something at the hub or is it something even from something totally separate? No, no, it definitely was not an Ithaca thing. Uh, I developed it at the sports hub. A couple of the hosts started calling me McTakey just because I guess they felt I had strong takes on sports, uh, which I guess is is part of the job. It's, it's very much a part of the job description. So one guy, you know, kind of started calling me that after I, I don't even know what I said, but he thought it was a hot take. And he was like, oh, wow, you know, like McTakey over here. And it just kind of stuck. Uh, so that's that's kind of the background to that. And uh, I, I, my my approach is you you know embrace embrace whatever people give you. And they, and they gave me that. And I said, sure, I'll go with it. So it, it kind of stuck a little bit. Now, what do you think is the hottest take you've ever made in sports or in anything? <laughs> oh boy, hottest take I've ever made in sports. Uh, that's boy, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I hate to say that, like, I don't really know because I, and I think I'm sure you've had this experience as well doing broadcasting. You kind of go on the air and, and this is my approach. I say what comes to mind. I say what is top of mind. And, you know, I kind of move on from that. And, you know, it's not, it's not contrived. It's not, you know, I don't sit there before the show saying, I'm going to say this to get this type of reaction. I guess I've just learned over the years to really kind of let the filter go away a little bit, which is maybe where some of the, you know, the stronger opinions come from. But, you know, I mean, that's, I think one of the ways, it's not the only way to be successful in the sports business, but it's just a way that's become natural to me. Um, you know, it's the type of thing where I have gotten so comfortable offering my opinion on sports, uh, you know, ripping people, you know, in, in the sports world. Uh, it's kind of, it's, you know, somebody's got to do it. It's a tough job. I know it's a really tough job, you know, but I, I'm willing to do it. That's Matt McCarthy from the Ithaca College class of 2013. Now you can hear the entirety of the Matt McCarthy interview on Twitter at Bombers Radio Net. And as we heard from Matt, you know, the alumni are such a crucial part of any college, but especially Ithaca, because when you're trying to, you know, promote the school to younger kids who are trying to find out, you know, where they want to go to school to show this alumni base that I see has ranging over decades from Bob Iger into as recently as Matt, you see how good the program really is that I see, and in specifically in the park program. And, you know, it's always great to hear Matt, you know, share his story about some of his favorite moments that I see and, you know, the impact that other students had on him and and the impact that the alumni community has had and, you know, where him and others are kind of, you know, paving their way through in the industry today. Now, we're going to move on and talk about the two football teams that are in New York, the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Now, if we just look from a statistics standpoint, and you could pick any category, the Jets and Giants are probably near the bottom of it. 
Now, let's just start with the most simplest one, total yards. Now, the Jets and Giants rank 28th and 29th of the 32 NFL teams in total yards, which obviously is horrible. And also, in total points, the Jets and Giants rank 31st and 32nd in points scored. And on the defensive side, they're also tied for 30th for points allowed. So in the bottom tier of the league. Now, in terms of which team is better set up in the future, it has to be the Giants. Because if you just look from a results standpoint, the Giants have results that are at least credible. You know, they had a four-point loss to the Bears in Week 2. They had an eight-point loss to the Rams in Week 5. They just recently lost to the Eagles by only one point. And if you look in contrast to the Jets, I mean, maybe, maybe, and this might be a little bit of a stretch, maybe you give the Jets a nod for losing their season opener to the Bills by only 10 points. But since then, it's been ugly. They lost to the Dolphins at home. I'm sorry, they lost to the Dolphins on the road. They lost to the Broncos and Cardinals at home. And there really isn't a win that you could see on their schedule. If you look at the Jets' schedule, they have the Bills, the Patriots, who are dangerous every year, the Dolphins, again, who are decent enough, obviously, as they showed, because they just defeated the Jets. Um, and you throw in road games against the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Seahawks, and those hypothetical losses just keep on piling and piling up. And even a game that looked promising, you know, before the season started, at home against the Browns, suddenly doesn't look too easy. And if you look at the Giants, they have a big built-in advantage, you know, because they play in the NFC East. And they, in theory, still have a shot to win the division, which is insane considering they're 1-6. and six, Because that means that they still have to play the Eagles, Washington football team. You also throw in games against the Bengals. Um, and the Giants definitely, maybe they, mo- they may not make the playoffs, but they definitely have the opportunity to grab a few wins this season. Now, looking way ahead, because this is what Jets and sometimes Giants fans do, because as Jets fans, we know that the season in Week 7 is over. There's no playoffs, no shot. Even though they're mathematically still alive. Like, let's be realistic here. You know, the Jets, the, all the talk around the Jets is, are they going to fire Gase and are they going to move on from Darnold? Now, Gase is the problem, not Darnold. Because Darnold is just put in a horrible situation. He's got no players around him. He's got horrible coaching. I mean, you look at some of these other quarterbacks in the NFL that are of his age, the younger ones, especially from his draft class. You know, Baker Mayfield, who's ended up not being so great, but he's got weapons around him with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb is injured, but he'll be back. And then you look at Lamar Jackson and the running back core that he's been surrounded with, with Ingram and Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and you look at their receiving core with Hollywood Brown, and Mark uh, Mark Andrews has been very good. And then you look at the Chiefs, who are probably the most high-powered offense in the NFL, with the greatest quarterback in the league, Pat Mahomes. And they have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, just added Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the rich get richer. So, in order for the Jets to succeed, though they, you've seen they've kind of started to stockpile some picks, 
The first thing they have to do in the offseason is to get rid of Gase. They have to get rid of him. Because I don't know what they saw in that interview of this so-called offensive guru that he is. I guess that Peyton Manning endorsement that he got a couple years ago when he was with the Broncos uh, carried a lot of weight in that Jets interview. Because, And I understand it wasn't Joe Douglas's hire, so it makes it more likely then that he's going to get rid of him. Um, but in terms of whether or not they should keep Darnold, I really think they should keep Darnold and surround him with weapons. He hasn't really gotten a chance. To, he hasn't been given a fair chance. He has not been given a fair chance with a mix of poor coaching and bad players around him. You know, the Giants obviously have Saquon Barkley. They have solid receivers that you could see the team is kind of progressing. They're in every game. Yeah, the record may not show it, but they're in every game. Daniel Jones looks solid. Joe Judge is a decent enough coach. But for the Jets, I mean, this is as close as you can get as rock bottom. So there has to be changes that are going to have to be made in the near future. Now, there's plenty of sports coverage that you can listen to aside from Sundays. During the week, you can catch sportscasts on both WICB and VIC. And here on 91.7 FM from 6 to 8 a.m. and 2 to 5 p.m. at the 46-minute mark. And on VIC from 6 to 8 a.m. and 2 to 5 p.m. at the 28-minute point. And on weekend mornings, you can get an earful of talk shows with hosts discussing topics that range from local to professional sports on VIC from 9 a.m. to noon on both Saturday and Sunday. Now, those podcasts are also available to listen to on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is search for VIC Presents Weekend Sports Talk on any of those platforms. That'll do it for us on this week's episode of Sports Talk. A quick thank you to, man to Manager of Radio Operations Jeremy Menard, WICB Station Manager Sam Ives, and WICB Sports Director John Vicari. Enjoy the rest of your night. Ithaca Now is coming up next.